Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? The comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. In part three of our fifth episode, Graham and I talk about 20th Century Boys, Oishimbo, and Dazzler, the movie, the graphic novel. Also, there's a musical interlude, and a contest, and a pony. Except there's not really a pony. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Jeffrey? Yes, Grammistophilees. Uh, good one. I'm going to call that for you. What's that? Choke. <laughs> you didn't see that coming, did you? I didn't. You know, the worst part is there was the whole thing where I was talking earlier about the, uh, again, the Oasis album. And I'm like, I'm not going to do the callback. But, you know, the fact that you did a callback literally after I called you back made it so enjoyably meta that I think you win. Choke. <laughs> It still cracks me up. I still thought that was uh, hilarious. I'd like to point out that between um, talking about the Oasis album and then the the call after that, I desperately tried to find my copy of the album to read it, read through the um, the sleeve notes, but I couldn't. You 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 couldn't find it, or you couldn't I read could, through it. I couldn't find it. Oh, okay. I just love the idea that you found it and then you opened it up and you went hysterically blind and literally could not read it. Oh, I swear to God, everyone. Everyone listening to this, please go to your local record store and break the plastic seal that is holding the CD copies of um, Oasis' What's the Story of Morning Glory um, sealed shut and read the sleeve notes because they are something special and beautiful as an individual as um, <laughs> only Satan himself could have put on this planet. Oh, my God. I uh, the, the terrible part is, of course, this... We're, we're going to they'll take some creative editing that I actually will end up talking you will end up talking about this before they hear the part where we're talking about Oasis unless we put that as a weird intermission I don't know how this is going to work <laughs> Percy you Graham have, you have some great music talking about the intermission ba, 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 ba. Let's ice creams are available <laughs> exactly Let's go. yeah that's hilarious. Um, okay, so uh, let me talk briefly about the stuff that I'm reading, although it will be super brief in part uh, because I think we have to wrap this up or my wife will lose her mind. Um, actually, we'll both lose our minds. So let's see if we can wrap this up in half an hour. Um, I'm reading 20th Century Boys, Volume 4 uh, by Urasawa, uh, Naoki Urasawa. I'm also reading, uh, his other book, Pluto, and they're both unbelievably enjoyable. Um, 20th Century Boys, this volume, I just, I, I got it last week and I looked forward, I had it by my bedstand and I just read, you know, a section or two a night and I loved it so much. Um, it's kind of interesting, you know, we were talking earlier about the whole, like, reading a PDF and trying to, um, you know, just not having that feeling of kind of comfort with it. Or, or uh, for me, at this point, uh, sitting down and reading uh, manga or manga or however it's supposed to be pronounced is 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 really kind of my optimal comics experience because I sit down, well, it's almost optimal. The only thing that kills me is that there's like these huge month-long waits where when you're reading, if you were reading the stuff originally as it was being serialized, you really only had to wait a week. And what's great is when it's all collected together, it has a velocity to it. So volume four of 20th Century Boys was pretty, you know, I just read right through it, even though I was trying to pace myself. And it kills me that I have to wait another month. And to the extent that by the time I'll jump back in on it, you know, it's it's almost like watching a movie, like 40 minutes of a movie 
or 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 better, it's like if you were watching a, an episode of Lost, a super long episode of Lost, but you could only watch like one episode a month. You know, it's kind of it's it's a little vexing that way. Um, but Graham, I really think I know it, it, you, it's a it's a monthly title. Uh, at if that honestly, I think both 20th Century Boys and Pluto. I think they might be published. The idea is that one's published one month and the others published the other month. I think. See, I, I have literally just finished the um, the first volume of Pluto and loved it. Oh, good! I'm so glad. It, I was it, going to entirely say... because David Brothers. David Brothers more or less told me that I was a retard if I hadn't read well, it. So I was turning around and talking about how much I loved it. That that had that had absolutely no sway, huh? Um, no, it was mostly David Brothers insulting me. <laughs> I think I've learned a valuable lesson here, Graham. <laughs> I, I think it's important. <laughs> yeah, no, Pluto is amazing, isn't it? Um, and I think, honestly, uh, you're a complete retard if you don't pick up 20th Century Boys, because it's also brilliant. Um, there is a whole section in it that is, in, in Volume 4... That is so brilliant. Um, are you familiar with the idea behind 20th Century Boys at all? I'm afraid you are going to have to explain it to me, even though I, I believe I'm vaguely familiar with it, but I, I'm not sure. It, it's kind of the way that it's shaping up now, and it, it probably becomes something different toward the end. But it's it's almost like a, a Japanese version of Stephen King's It, in that these grown-ups in Japan, it sort of jumps between their present day and their childhood experiences because what's happening is um, a mysterious cult is taking over Japan and it all of the all of the tropes of the cult everything it's its banner its uh, slogans all of these things were all things that were created by a bunch of kids growing up you know in in Japan in the 70s Basically, they they create you know in, in their process of playing superheroes in the backyard, you know they uh, create sort of a a league of evil that is is supposed to be the bad guys that they're going to fight, and they sort of spend all these time sort of spitballing the idea of what this evil league um, would have, and it's like oh they'll have a giant robot and they'll have laser guns and they'll destroy these three cities. And then 20 years later, what happens is this cult pops up and starts following this plan. And these the, these guys essentially realize that one of their friends is, A, behind this cult that has taken, you know, took their childhood um, fantasies and is turning them into, rea- you know, into this very dangerous reality. And they have to figure out, they have to try, they end up having to be the only ones who can stop it. Um and so, like I said, it's kind of like it in that it jumps back and forth between the childhood and the present day. But the, there's so many awesome things about it. For one thing, Ursa was an amazing uh, cartoonist. So it's what's great is how he can draw the characters as a kid and then draw them as adults. And it's not it's not the very simple like, oh, okay, this one's got a big nose, that one's going to have a big nose. He very much, he's just such an amazing caricaturist, cartoonist, that he makes, the, that you can tell who the characters are instantly, whether they're kids or adults. I mean, it's, it's a very, as we know from all the comics that we read, it can be very difficult to have one character stand apart from another character 
you know, unless one is completely dressed as a giant spider and one's dressed as a giant bat. Um, you know, but, but just the, his visual physical cartooning is so, uh, is, is sumptuous. Um, but what's amazing is how funny the book is. Um, and also how filled with sort of dread. I mean, his storytelling is just super top notch. Can you hold on for a second? I'm sorry. There's something beeping at me and I'm like, hold on. This is the part where I can say things that Jeff will discover while editing the podcast. <laughs> or we can just listen to Jeff. I see now he's quiet. Ah, dear. What are you going to do? This is what happens when you do a podcast, and for some reason, it's taken us almost three hours. Ah, thank God for the power of editing. I can actually just cut all that out. Did you, like, say terrible things about me when I was gone? <laughs> Damn it, you knew I was going to. (laughs) I will leave you to discover what I was saying. Damn it. All right. Well, we'll see whether I leave it in or not. Damn it. Okay, so um, maybe I'll put in music or something. Uh, So 20th Century Boys is just... The storytelling is fantastic, and the characterization is, is solid. But what I find fascinating is... By this fourth volume, he's really all but tweaking the nose of his of his concept because the the characters Japan has fallen under sway by this cult, and the few figures that can actually that are fighting the resistance, so to speak are it's just so absurd. One of the things that's really delightful is one of the plans for the evil cult is that they're going to have... The, it has to have a giant robot, you know? Like, it's a giant robot sure, that's 50 to. meters high. Exactly. Because these are the kids who grew up watching, you know, Ultraman and movies, you know, Japanese movies. They're like, you've got to have a giant robot that can, like, destroy cities. And there's a wonderful chapter in uh, Volume 4 where these cult members have, have, have basically uh, kidnapped a, a robotics expert. And they're sort of uh, forcing him to to cooperate with them because they have his daughter, and so they're like, "We would love to have a fifty, you know, fifty meter high robot with arms and legs." And and the scientist is like, "That's the stupidest idea ever." <laughs> and he goes on to talk about how, like, if you had a robot that had legs, like the person in the control pit. Like, the amount of yaw and pitch from the walking of the legs, like, that person, like, the inside of the the council would just be covered in the person's vomit. And they're like, hmm, yes, okay, so does it require bigger legs? And he's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Like, you need bulldozer, like, caterpillar treads. And they're like, no, 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 then it's just like a tractor. We need giant legs. You've got to have giant legs. So there's something that's really delightful about it. Um, it's such a clever deconstruction of the idea. At the same time, he still manages to make the the idea of whatever resulting thing that they have built be very scary and terrifying. Um, and so I, I think that it's... Uh, it, it Did you... Well, I mean, did David Brothers tell you that Pluto reminded him all... Uh, at, uh, there's kind of a weird sort of deconstructionist vibe to it, did you get that at all when you were reading yes, it? Yes, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, 
I'm fascinated by the extent to which Urasawa is able to continue to do that, both in Pluto and 20th Century Boys, um, without necessarily, uh, without he's he's able to sort of take the piss without without actually somehow like robbing the story of all of its impact. And it's that, kinda... that, that's what I was going to say. He's able to do deconstruction without making fun of it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I think is what a lot of um, of what we've come to consider deconstruction is just mm-hmm. like a well done parody. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and I'm very impressed at his ability to somehow do that without descending into the realm of, of parody where it's still, where the work seems to still have uh, emotional power on its own. So um, I'm glad that you're reading um, Pluto. You should definitely think about picking up 20th Century Boys as well. I think that you would also really enjoy it. I shall do. I'm sure it's in the Portland Public Library system, and that's how I'm, <laughs> how I'm reading everything these days. So sure, I will. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, and then, uh, I don't know. I, I felt like I should talk about uh, Oishimbo, but I don't know how to pronounce it. I actually tried looking online before the podcast, so I don't really know if I'm uh, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, it's also a book by Viz. Um, it's by Tetsu Kariya, who's writing the story, and Akira Hanasaki, who's doing the art. It's kind of a cooking manga, I guess, but it's it's more about food and how to enjoy food and how to prepare food. Um, the viz, it's been long running since, let's see what they say here, like something really absurd, like from 1990. Three, 1983 to the present, or so. There's holy crap! That's a long time. Yeah. So all Viz can really do is sort of do a sampler, since the stories are pretty episodic. Um, it, it's a very simple conception for a story where there is a, a these two food critics for a paper are trying to like. Um, build the ultimate menu as a way to sort of increase sales for the newspaper. They go, they're, they're assembling a menu of the best foods in Japan. So it has them sort of going around having, you know, quote unquote adventures by encountering new types of food. Um, the, the, the hook such as it is, is that the, um, one of the characters that is super knowledgeable about food, but is a completely sort of lazy good for nothing who spends all his money gambling. So he's like a he's a guy who knows high culture but his tastes actually run toward low culture. Mm-hmm. And he's always butting heads with his father, who's the guy who sort of tried to teach him all this stuff, who's considered the preeminent food critic in Japan. So most of the conflicts usually come between one of them says something about, you know, fish and the other one totally disagrees. And the next thing you know, they're having a big food, you know, fish challenge where they're each preparing a different type of fish to, to impress these various experts. And all, there's all these, you know, what I'm fascinated about is, a you know, sort of thinly veiled Oedipal. Well, it's not even veiled. The Oedipal conflict aside between the father and the son who are always disagreeing constantly about what constitutes um, good or proper food of a particular type, whether it's eel or rice or sake, um, is 
apart from the occasional bits of drama of like so and so the cook has to you know if he doesn't prepare some sort of world class sake meal like the restaurant will be closed and his family will be shamed forever there's not a lot of drama in the stories it's very much from the the idea of comics as a form of um uh entertain yeah exactly entertaining yeah. education um and man, I cannot get enough of that stuff. I am a huge, huge fan of reading uh, Japanese comics about food and food preparation. And it really doesn't need much. What's There are personalities to the reoccurring characters which make it better than if it was just some sort of, you know, uh, one-shot story about, you know, dudes trying to prepare salmon or something like that. So you've got continuing characters, but clearly it's been going on for so long. Like, Viz is, you know, Viz is actually releasing the issues sort of coordinated by the type of food or the type of emphasis on the story, because they have, like, you know, if they want to do a, a volume about eel, they've got 20 years worth of stories, you know, of which when eel comes up like once or twice every year, they, they can really assemble a, a top-notch collection. Um, so it's really odd to me how, kind of like how little of a hook I actually need for this stuff to work and how <laughs> charmed I actually am by like, oh, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read 200 pages of eel-related stories and I'm really going to enjoy myself. So, unlike Urasawa's 20th Century Boys or Pluto, which I can wholeheartedly recommend to, to anyone who loves, you know, traditional American comics, um, it's, it's very... Uh, Ocean Boat is very much a sort of a love that I would have trouble recommending to people unless they were like super foodies. Like it's sort of the book that I wouldn't recommend to you, but I would recommend to Kate, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, so um, it, it's uh, it, it that's that's what I've been reading while I haven't been, you know, getting to the comic shop is the monk. I've been reading manga and the manga that I've been reading has been uh, Urasawa's work and, and this book. So, And now you can tell me about Dazzler, the graphic novel. I, well, I'll tell you about Essential Dazzler Volume 2, which uh, unsurprisingly completes the entire run of Dazzler's solo comics. I say unsurprisingly because I love Dazzler, as you know, with yes. an unhealthy passion. I was ready to kill myself. <laughs> It is one of the most joyless things that you can imagine. Um, and a really interesting reminder of the days when Marvel and DC published books because they published books, if that makes sense. Mm. Now they will cancel something really eagerly. I mean, Jeff Barker's Exiles got six issues and then was cancelled, which stuns me. Mm-hmm. Six issues and then they're like, yeah, it's not working, by." Right. Um they should have cancelled Dazzler like more than halfway before the, the middle of this book. Um, and it, it's it's really surprising because what I loved so much about the first book pretty much has gone within a couple of issues of this new book. What right. I loved, like the, the romance comic the whole thing. Mm-hmm. The only place it comes back is in Dazzler the movie, the graphic novel. Right. Um, which is Jim Shooter deciding quite clearly to write the ideal archetypal Dazzler story 
and in doing so gets so close to legal action with Frank Sinatra <laughs> that uh, I I am kind of stunned. Um, the with plot Frank of Dazzler, Sinatra. Wow. The, plot, the plot of Dazzler, the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. If we just admit that Roman, I think he's, I can't, his name might be Roman Nabokov. I can't remember. His last we, name is Hoboken backwards. That's one thing that I did <laughs> notice about it from reading on it's, Wikipedia. It's a really... Yeah, it's like Nibokov or something like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Roman is definitely his first name. If we just accept that he's Frank Sinatra because there is no way you can read this book and not know that he's Frank Sinatra. I mean, he is quite clearly Frank Sinatra. The plot is this. Frank Sinatra is a jerk who uses people. He sees Dazzler, decides to mend his ways and create a movie that will teach the world that mutants are good people. In the process, Dazzler falls in love with him, and somehow this is shown as a bad thing because she starts getting fat and smoking. No, get out. No, no, really. She, however, makes the film. Then, <laughs> the film is... <laughs> I love you laughing already. Then, the film is held by a distributor who wants to ruin her career, but make Frank Sinatra's career. Um, and so he makes Frank Sinatra sign a contract where he will never see Dazzler ever again. She decides... <laughs> I'm not done. <laughs> she decides to um, quit smoking, stop getting fat, even though when she's fat, she looks exactly the same of course as she does. does throughout the rest of the comic. It's just that people say, aren't you a little fat? It, it, it's, it's terrible. Um... So she decides that she's, she's you know, fuck it. She's just going to destroy the movie herself. Because that makes sense. And then she destroys the contract. So Frank Sinatra can't see her after all. And then she's like, we should just go our separate ways. And he's like, I love you. And that's the end of the book. <laughs> but in order for this book to work, you have to, first of all, assume that Frank Sinatra is the sleaziest man in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, just quite clearly, this least man in the world. Secondly, that he has numerous affairs with women who are half his age. Mm-hmm. Thirdly, that he is bald. <laughs> what, does he have a toupee that she yanks yes. off angrily at some point? Yeah. You also see him putting on the toupee in the morning and putting on a corset to um, pull in his gut. No get out. No, really. And that's the point where I'm like, I'm really surprised that they escaped legal action because that's the parts where I thought they'd get in trouble. <laughs> um, it's well, it's just stunning. But at the same time, it's kind. Of, it kind of is the greatest Dazzler story ever. Well, okay, but you have it, to tell it is me. simultaneously the worst thing in the world. That's <laughs> the greatest Dazzler story ever. <laughs> okay, but Graham, just out of curiosity... Why do you think this is Frank Sinatra? I mean, is it... It's Frank Sinatra, really. You can't read it. It looks like Frank Sinatra. Okay, so it's drawn so that it looks like Frank Sinatra? Or is yes, it like, has he starred in previous movies? Like yeah, from... no, really, really. It's Frank Sinatra. There's no way to read it. They're doing everything short of just saying it's Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I mean, is he starring in movies like From There to Forever? Or, I mean, like, why would you think it's him as opposed to like Dean Martin or Jerry Lewis or somebody? Um, because they're, because he's like the, the king, the, the main man. 
Oh, I see. He's like the biggest star in the history. And, of the and they have they have a scene which is, and I can't even remember if it's in the Dazzler graphic novel or in his first appearance a couple of issues earlier in the Dazzler comic because he appears earlier on. Oh my god, really? Yeah, and they have like a Rat Pack. Oh no! Oh my god! Like this was what year was this that somebody thought the Rat it's Pack like, was still it's like big? It, it, or, no, it's like the former Rat Pack getting together for like a party to talk about how they've all fallen or something like oh, that. Oh, they've all fallen, but Namor Naboko is still <laughs> super big, huh? Oh no, he's a, he's on the skids as well. That's why he needs Dazzler's movie. Oh, I see. Oh. Also, the, the other part of this um, arguably legally actionable is he has no money and he's living entirely on credit and his good name. <laughs> okay. So this is kind of like A Star is Born being retold as a really bad graphic novel with Dazzler and Frank Sinatra. Yes. This it's does sound really, like the most amazing comic ever written. I really do. It, it, it simultaneously is the worst thing you'll ever read. <laughs> Dazzler story that has ever been written. And it's and somehow that doesn't even seem like a contradiction when you're reading it. You're like... <laughs> But the thing is, like, so, but that, sadly, is halfway through the book. That's not even the end of the series. Oh, my God. Okay, so after that, they then, um, Anne Nascente takes over for the Beauty and the Beast miniseries. Oh, dear. Well, that, oh, dear. Right, yes. Which is pretty much Anne Nascente doing her, I am trying to deal with my abstract off-Broadway theater ideas (laughs) with superhero (laughs) comics. Like, thing. Um... And, and just failing horribly, like it's before before she really got it down. You know, I love Anne Nocenti because she was somebody who, it was like, she obviously didn't come from comics, and then she read, like, the Denny O'Neill relevant comics from DC and went, those were good, but too subtle. You know? That's oh, what well, I love if, about really, her if stuff. You want, you want less subtle, you have to read Beauty and the Beast. Right. Yeah. In fact, the more we're talking, the more I realize you have to actually just run out and buy Essential Tesla Volume 2 right now. Oh, I, it's on my shelf, my friend. I have it. I just oh, did not correct it. Yeah. T- tonight. Mm-hmm. Skip, exactly. Skip straight to the graphic novel. <laughs> and then Beauty and the Beast is immediately after, and that's all you need to read. Because yeah. after Beauty and the Beast, um, there's like four or five issues of just like random nothingness. Well, uh, and then Archie Goodman takes over with Paul Chadwick in what is the dullest comic you can imagine. <laughs> I know. Isn't that a shame? It's I'm... it's appalling for the talent of the people involved. Yeah. It's put it this way, the last half of Essential Dazzler Volume Two is so bad that the issue of Secret Wars Two is the high point. <laughs> Why is Secret Wars Two in there? Because Dazzler's because in it? There's an entire issue where the Beyonder uh Oh, oh sorry, Secret Wars 2. Sorry, yes. not Secret Wars Issue 2. Okay, okay, gotcha. Of course, right. So, cause it's sorry, it's Secret Wars 2 Issue 11. Sorry, Issue 4. Right, where he falls in love with Dazzler or something horrible yes. like that? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. At least, like, directly into the next issue of Dazzler, so they pretty much had to include it. Otherwise, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on? What is, yeah, you know, because it is. It's sort of like he's... He's, like, in love with her, but, of course, has no understanding of what it means. And it's that whole, like, I love you, therefore I must try and date rape you kind of thing, right? Is oh, that... no, it's the opposite. It's, I love you, therefore I must fix the world. Oh. Well, there you go. Shows you, show you what my memory was. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it's just very bad. But, um, but Dazzler, the graphic novel, is stunning. Yeah. It sounds amazing. And drawn by Vince Coletta, huh? And Frank Springer, I right? To. It's Frank Springer and like inked by Vince Coletta. 
probably. It's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. How to say a beautiful thing? I mean something you will want out of your house as soon as you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm so tempted to actually buy the original graphic novel off eBay for like four bucks and then send it to you because it sounds like you would really enjoy it even more in color. I, I probably would. I might have to burn it, however, so <laughs> just for safety's sake. Otherwise, it might affect every other comic in my collection. <laughs> That's great. It's like Dazzler, the movie, the graphic novel can give is like comic book chlamydia. You know? Exactly. It just, it just it, somehow it, manages it to comic book cooties. <laughs> comic book cooties. Uh, it's such a shame that we already had a name for our podcast. You know. <laughs> I just thought the same thing, which is terrible. <laughs> Um, we are coming up in half an hour again, and it is also quarter past seven in yes. the evening. Um, I believe both of our wives may be wanting to kill us at this point. That is certainly true, yes. <laughs> um, so we may want to wind it up here. Yes, but this was uh, great. I, I was going to say, Jeff, is there any recommendation that you think our listeners should be reading over the next couple of weeks before we do our next podcast? Gosh, well, see, that's the thing. I'm I'm so behind. I, of course, you know, I, I'm. If you if you people are not reading 20th Century Boys, I think you would really enjoy it. I can't vouch for where it will go or how it ends up because there's still another like 12 to 18 volumes of the damn thing. But um, they, they don't surround, do they? Yeah, they they really do not. Um, and uh, but it is it is such an amazing read, uh, and the storytelling on it is just absolutely fantastic it's just it is it is pure chewing satisfaction um and then hopefully by the next time we talk i will have some other comics that i'll have read and caught up on and will have finished my survey of of comics available for the iphone and can talk about that a little more um how about yourself graham what would you Uh, recommend i have a special recommendation which is actually really a giveaway Ooh, dc comics through their um Infinite Wisdom not only did not mail me uh, an issue of Batman the Widening Gyre, they did manage to mail me two copies of the Neil Gaiman Whatever Happened to Cape Crusader hardcover. Wow. So if someone would like my spare copy of Batman Whatever Happened to the Cape Crusader, I feel you should leave your name in the comments and I will then email it to you and then send you the... Don't you I'm, have to? I'm we giving have it to, away. Do you, no, do you no, want no. a contest? No, no. Yes, exactly. We've got to have a contest. Okay, you, come up, come up with something good then. Okay. Uh, do I have to come up with it right now, this very second? Like, what, what should we do right now? Um, okay. Well, let me think here. Let's think about the stuff that we talked about. Um, oh, I know. Let's have let's have the person. Well, wait. I was going to say let's have them come up with. The silliest possible way to write the Spectre out of an cr- upcoming crossover event, um, and then w- and then the winner, the person who comes up with the best, most uh, bizarre way to write out the Spectre, gets the hardcover. See, it's your hardcover. You should think of the contest. No, no, no. I just I, feel I, that you I'm should perfect, have the contest. No, I'm perfectly fine with that. However, I will um, make the one change that I'm about to make. Okay. Whoever wants this Batman, whatever happens to the Cape Crusader hardcover by Neil Gaiman I'd like to point out and let's face it it's possibly sold out already because it is by Neil Gaiman everyone Um, not only do you have to come up with the greatest way to write out the Spectre from any DC Comics crossover just in case Jeff Johns runs out of ideas for himself um, you also have to include Frank Sinatra 
in there. <laughs> and any idea that includes Frank Sinatra seducing the Spectre so that he gets fat and starts smoking um, will really have a, a, a step up in my eyes. I was about to say, that's automatically disqualified. Like, you've already taken that idea. So someone has to come up with a story involving the Spectre and Frank Sinatra that doesn't rip off Dazzler, the movie, the graphic novel, but does maybe pay homage to it. Can I just say I love that it's actually called Dazzler's the movie, the graphic novel? Yeah, yeah. I realized when you said it again, like how perfect it was and what a chump I was for not referring it to that way the entire time. Because it really is much funnier when you say Dazzler, the movie, the graphic novel. Also, so, any, anyone who is in San Francisco and who regularly goes to Comics Experience in San Francisco should um, definitely pick up the newsletter that I believe is probably going to make an appearance this Wednesday. Um, wherein I explain the true origins of Dazzler, the movie, the graphic novel, and add an extra colon with another two words on there. <laughs> Is it Dazzler, the movie, the graphic novel, the video game? No, two words, Jeff. The no. video game is three. Eh, some people run video game together into one word. Do, do, you want me, do you want me to ruin it for you? No, I want to read it because sure? I'm, here, I'm here in town, so... But you do have to tell them that that's not part of the contest, or is it? Uh, no, because then it would only go to people in San Francisco. Whoever, <laughs> no, the one thing I will say, please, um, you've got to be in the U.S. because I'm going to be paying for postage and I'm cheap. I think that's fair. So, if, well, if actually, outside, it's not If you're really outside fair. the U.S., you can enter and then choose someone in the U.S. for it to be sent to. Oh, there we go. Yeah, exactly. So if you've got and a runner in the States. Your, mm-hmm. your prize will be um, recognition. And the kindness of your heart. <laughs> Which, for what it's worth, you will probably enjoy more than whatever happened to the Cape Crusader by Neil Gaiman, as I recall. So, <laughs> See, I, I wasn't going to talk smack about it because we're giving it away, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got to go, but this was great. I will definitely make sure that I sort of also type up those contest entry uh, rules. Um, oh, the ones that we just made up? Okay. Exactly. Well, try and come up with something great for that. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Uh, and Ned's podcast, or Ned's podcast recording session, I think we should try and um, bring a third in. Yes. We should try and work out if we can do three-way calls and then try and bring in a third. Okay. Well, I will research that uh, that very sexy-sounding podcast, and uh, I'll get back to you on that. Awesome, sir. Have a good evening. Thank you. You too, sir. Thank you for making time. This was fantastic. Say hi to your lovely wife. I will, and you to yours. And we'll probably talk in another couple of weeks. Absolutely. Goodbye, listeners. Goodbye, Jeffrey. Goodbye, Graham. See ya. Bye.